Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for Kerner, Brussels, Kerner, a one-dot pro race that has a world tour elite quality field. Incredibly exciting race today, 195 case long. It is a perfect balance between attackers and the teams going for a sprint with a collection of longer climbs than we see in Omloop but further from the finish with the last couple being Cote Trio and Kreuzberg, about 54 k's from the finish, which is a long way, but there's about 12 or 15 of these such climbs, which are 1K, 1.3Ks, 5 to 6%. So hard course, we had Fabio Jakobsen and Ewan as the two big sprinters here, Christoph, Laporte, Noel Van Aert for Jumbo today. They had more of an attacking team. And, yeah, Trenton Kung, all these sort of expected riders. So, yeah, it was really finely balanced. But, Benji, we had a, one of our former colleagues, no longer just a colleague, now in the pro peloton, Bas Tietema, made his way into the break for Bingo. Bingo Al, sorry. <laughs> Come on. you got to say it right this time around. For Bingo, Bas Tietema <laughs> was in the breakaway with his teammate, Arin Levens. Also, Taco van der Horn in the break. The hype is real. Uh, Louis Mas, not Enric Mas, Mas Bonnet. Durbridge, uh, Krull, Hesters, Healy, and van der Berg. I think Healy was in the break as well in Omloop yesterday. So, pretty cool to see that he's found his uh, adventures the last two days. Nonetheless, that breakaway would fin out the second we get towards the actual cobble hills on this terrain. And the thing about these hills is it's not like there's like one hill that completely obliterates the field. It's a gradual build-up, and it makes it harder and harder every single climb afterwards, and you see the groups fin out, fin out towards the latter climbs on the terrain. And we see that in the breakaway as well. I think Bastitama was actually one of the first to uh, drop with roughly, uh, was it 70, 80k to go from that group? And we would see Healy, Van den Berg, Krull also drop from that group to eventually have a four-man group of Taco van der Hoorn, Masbonet, Durbridge, and Levain's left. Levain's had a good preseason last year, if I recall correctly. I think he did well at Maritime Duvar last season. But nonetheless, those four riders up front. But in the peloton, I'd argue that I was expecting two teams to play it rather defensively. Lotto and Quickstep, knowing that they've got Ewan and Jakobsen at the start line here. But then I saw Osgren move into the front on these hills and actually put pressure on the peloton. And I was starting to doubt, is Jakobsen having a good day? because I don't know, he's not the best climber in the world, so I would try and make it as simple as possible to make sure he can get over these hills, you know? What was your thoughts on the Osgrin moves? Yeah, I agreed. They were, like, he wasn't destroying the group. They weren't mm-hmm. all out attacks, but he was forcing a little bit on the climbs. Maybe, Benji, they were like, we think Fabio can get over this better than Ewan, and if he doesn't, Lotto are not going to be able to pace. Like, we can make back... 20, 15 seconds. We've got a much stronger, deeper team than Lotto do. I don't know. I agree. I didn't expect it. The teams I expected, who one of them did do it, Ineos, who don't have an all-out top-bunch sprinter. They do have Peacock, Hater, Nova, Swift, Sheffield. They were pacing, but Bahrain weren't. And it kind of looked like Bahrain were all in on a Bauhaus group sprint today, Benji, which... <laughs> with Colbrelli and Wright and Hausler and Morridge here, that's got to be like option D on the whiteboard, in my view. He, he's, 
He, no, like I like Bauhaus in terms of what he's done, but Bauhaus wins are at Hungary, Slovenia, and Portugal, Azerbaijan, and Saudi. He's not a classics guy. And with Colbrelli, I, I was just surprised. Anyway, the race did heat up, as I said, the second to last climb, Jumbo Visma with no Van Aert. Did not want a bunch sprint between 100 riders. Van Hooydonk post Triu. And then the man of the moment, Benji. He's on fire already. Teish Benoit went again. Yeah, certainly. It was first, like you said, Nathan Van Hooydonk that blasted up on the first part of the trio because it's it's a pretty long climb, the trio. So initial part, Van Hooydonk put the pressure on. And we saw that there was a gap forming at like 20th position in the peloton. And then it looked like Benoit was in fourth position and towards the middle part of the trio, Benoit actually went ahead and sniped on the left side of the road past the, the group that he was in. And it was Algren that didn't directly respond. He let Benoit go and sat on the wheel of Van Hooydonk for a bit. But Van Hooydonk obviously won't be chasing Benoit. So Benoit got a bit of a gap. But that group that Algren and Van Hooydonk were part of, where the gap opened behind, also became a separate thing. So we basically had Benoit up the road, then that group, and then the peloton, and also way ahead still those four riders of the breakaway. So... Yumbo was trying something, and there were actually not only those two riders in there, because there was another Yumbo rider that made that split in the uh, Van Hoydon group, which was Christophe Laporte. So very notable. But in general, after that trio, those riders came back together with Benoit, and we had a uh, pretty damn solid group, I would argue. Osgren, the only rider of Quickstep, so not necessarily the most likable situation, I think, for Quickstep. And we would noticeably see that once he... Uh, didn't pull that much after Benoit was caught again by that group. Schoen's in the group as well. Pitcock, again, like yesterday, together with his mate from yesterday as well. Nervais, also once again attacking like last year. The exact same race. He was in the breakaway with Vanderpool last year and was caught with roughly 10k to go. This time around also again in the attacks. I love this guy on the cobbles. Damian Touzé for Ajuzer, Fred Wright for Bahrain. Kung Ludwigsson. We've got, like we said, the three Yumbo riders from Hoidong, Benoit, and Laporte, Garcia, Cortina, Durbridge, Trentin, Vauquelin, and Levines, because that front breakaway was being caught, and so was Van der Hoorn in that group then. So basically uh, a solid group then. 45 seconds was a gap they built up. Did you see uh, a chance for this group? Uh, it had two. It had something working against it. First of all, it's so big, and there's three Yumbo, so there was a lot of looking at Yumbo. Second of all, Asgren... Didn't have any, there's no Moore coming up where he's like, I can drop these guys. Let's work together until then. No, no, it's flat for 45 kilometers, 50 kilometers. Second of all, Bahrain, no, I'm now onto my third, so I've lost count. Anyway, third of all, (laughs) Bahrain had no faith in Fred Wright. And even though he's pulling and attacking, they were pacing behind, helping Lotto a lot. Like Lotto getting a lot of help Uh, for quick step. It was, it wasn't ideal, but you got two options. You either send Asgrim with the group, and he sits in a bit, which he didn't, uh, and then you don't have to pace behind, or you don't send him, and then you have to pace behind with Asgrim. And so I think what they did is is the best option. Before we get to the next phase of the race, I do want to remind everybody though we have our Tuesday night LRCP Zwift group ride, six p.m. UK time, seven p.m. Uh, European time. I know that I forgot February only has 28 days. This is 
probably maybe the last one on Tuesday nights, and then we might look at a different time, but the last of the Tuesday nighters coming up, we'll discuss what's happened in the week. We've got Strata Bianca next Saturday. If you want to check it out, you can get a free seven-day trial at Zwift through the link down below and join us on the Discord for the Q&A. It's been really enjoyable so far, and thanks to Zwift for supporting the podcast. But, yeah. 40 seconds, Lotto pacing like mad with Bahrain, Taco in there, Yumbo pacing, a few attacks. What was, I think it was Bahrain Benji who were like, nah, we'll bring it back. And they used Colprelli to chase it back. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, they used Colprelli because, well, quite clearly they wanted uh, Bahas to be their sprinter. But then again, Colprelli could also do a, a lead out, I would argue, when it comes down to it. But not only did that happen, but Wright was making moves in the front group as well because attacks were flowing in that front group. Cooperation wasn't that perfect. The gap was going down again from 50 to 30 seconds to 25. And then cooperation will just simply die out and attacks will come to follow. And a Wright attack followed and Cobrelli was still pacing in the peloton. So that was quite curious to see, but I guess that's part of the Bahrain tactics today. But uh, after that, they actually got a bit of a split up at the front who were the riders that got away from this group leading to basically a, uh, was it, three-man group away yeah as the big group realized we're not making it yumbo had tried a few attacks because they, they kind of did what they did yesterday when on omelette before the mur the group wasn't cooperating and but i was like well screw this i'm off and attacked <laughs> they did this Narvaez had sat on a lot today again in the big group and then he went with a move with taco laporte and those three went clear and it's like when the group behinds work so hard, they catch the big group and then someone tells the Israel domestique, Frederick Frison or someone, actually, there's another three guys 10 seconds up the road and they're like, fuck. And it gets, they get into town. It's the wind is chasing. There's tailwind sections. There's sharper corners, which the brake can take way quicker. There was a corner, Benji, where they went onto the bike path and yeah. we're, the de- we're the disqualification police, not just the sprint deviation police. <laughs> we do not like people on footpaths, but they didn't really have a choice there, right? Yeah, correct. I'd, I'd argue you, you're right on that one. I'd blame the corner for it. We should disqualify corners from every single race <laughs> in the future. They only cause trouble. In sprints, they cause deviations. In races, they cause riders on footpaths. They should be gone. I agree. Uh, well, no, I don't actually agree. People will quote that, and <laughs> already they think I'm a lunatic. Anyway, the three oh. are working. <laughs> the three are working really, really well, and the gap is at ten seconds, twelve seconds, and a lot have run out of steam. Israel, they're trying to preserve their lead out. Bahrain have stopped pacing at this point, and it's Quickstep who come to the front. Asgren pulling now. He'd just been in the break, and. Yumbo Visma's tactics, Benji. Yeah. They move up before every corner and then they try and put a block on out of the corner. Is this as, and I'm going to say dirty, do we frown on this as much as when we said teams shouldn't block the road to let guys go into the break? Is it the same? I'm not going to lie. I did not notice it, so I can't judge it. But I did notice one corner where they moved up on the right. And after that corner, they were completely obliterated because the guy was basically waving with a little flag over there and wasn't really clear which direction people would need to go on. So parkour knowledge on that spot was a bit missing, I would argue. But what's your opinion on the question you just asked me that I don't know anything about? I don't think it's as bad 
because they're not literally blocking the entire road, preventing mm-hmm. no one going up. They are doing the work to come up the side of the road to get front position through the corner. And then the fact that they go easy on the pedals out of the corner for four seconds, it's not stopping anyone attacking. There's plenty of road to their left. It's just people don't want to attack into the wind. And if people don't want to let Yumbo get front position, they should accelerate. So I don't think it's the same degree. I think it's a legitimate tactic. Actually, to be honest, they use their train in that way. I, I don't really have a problem with it. And it was helping Laporte's group get time. The yeah. only problem was Laporte attacked. Why? He's the quickest sprinter in that group of Narvaez and Taco. I didn't get that either. And it, it caused the others to start frowning for a bit. But luckily, Taco Van der Horn is the kind of guy that keeps on riding yeah. anyway. And Van der Weijs as well, to be honest, in such a situation. So they both went to the front and again and kept riding. And the gap was staying at roughly 10 seconds the entirety of the last... 10 to 5 kilometers roughly and then we started noticing in the peloton that Quickstep was running out of men because yep. Lampard was dropping off the back he tried to get Seneschal back to the front Seneschal worked again for a little bit Seneschal was done again and it all came down to Israel domestiques to try and close down the gap towards the end for a bit until Trek came to the fore with was it <laughs> three to four riders at the yeah. front suddenly and I was like oh this is this is 2021 all over again. Where's Peterson? He's not on the start. Okay. Well, they're not going to win that. Well, it's the inverse. Quickstep paced so that Peterson and Sturvin could do a lead out last <laughs> year. Trek didn't do any work last year. And then they're like, let's pace. Age two hour pacing for, I can't see anyone in the top 10. Um, I'm not sure who their sprinter was. Anyway, tension right down into the last K. The gap has gone to six seconds. The group is still working. 400 meters to go. We see the sprint trains leading out. We we know that Ewan, Jakobsen, Decker, and a whole host of Arkea riders are still here. Laporte opens up his sprint. Taco has started finessing a little bit early. We'll talk about the points in a second. And Laporte opens up. He's looking good. Overhead shot. We see Jakobsen just launch out of the peloton <laughs> with no lead out. Ewan on his wheel. On the right-hand side, Ewan didn't really get squeezed too badly. He didn't have to stop pedaling. Jakobsen, 150 meters to go. Ewan tries to come out of his wheel, and he can't. I thought he would. Ewan couldn't come out of his wheel and overlap him. Jakobsen winning. Kerner Brussels Kerner. After Pat Lefebvre said, I'm not going to roast the boys after Omluk. We were a little bit undermanned, and I think it all worked out. Maybe not as they drew it up, but pretty well for quick step today and i don't know i'm surprised jakobsen won that sprint benji with no lead out with ewan on the wheel one of the most impressive things i've seen a sprinter do in the last couple of years frankly yeah it was quite impressive and i i still remember the quote of jakobsen before today's stage started in the interview saying uh well, today I'm going to try to do what the boys failed to do yesterday. <laughs> it sounded kind of crazy, but I don't think he meant it in that way. But eventually he did it, so he was right in saying it, I guess. And uh, to be honest, like I wasn't sure he was going to survive the parkour properly. I did trust him to be better than a earlier to be getting over these cobble climbs. But in the end, he bloody did it. And then the question in the interview afterwards came, what are you looking for? Can Wevelgem? Milano Sanremo? And I'm like, perhaps it's harder than Kuhn in my opinion but I don't think this gives him the selection for Sanremo um, I mean this is the opposite of Alaphilippe 
Alaphilippe's pretty good at Milano San Remo, isn't he? Like, uh, it depends on the climb. Yeah, but Alaphilippe is the one to launch it, so he's basically going to drop Jakobs in that one. Yeah, but if they all assemble a train at the front and then they let Alaphilippe attack, they can sit in the wheels like you and last year. Is I don't I agree though. It's not it's not perfect, is it? Um, what about Pidcock and Ineos? I thought they were going for Hater. They stuffed up a corner in the last <laughs> section of this race. I think Pidcock or Hater overbraked or struck yeah. a pedal and that ruined them for this sprint. Positioning was important coming into the last bit. Like I didn't Merlier was in the group. He didn't make the top ten, which the results I should read out by the way, because I have a question. Jakobsen first, beating you and Hofstetter a third, McClay fourth, both on Archaea, Nitzolo fifth on Israel, Dries van Gestel sixth for total energy. How old is he? No, he's a journeyman. Capio on Archaea, 7th. Laporte just got caught, 8th. Then Trent in ninth. Taco, 10th. So winning the group sprint, technically, I think Merli. Oh, Merli was 12th. Christoph, 11th. Bauhaus, 13th. The best Trek rider, Sturvin, 15th. The best Asia to R rider, Narsen, 20th. So Aaron Baru, 22nd. Not a great sprint from your boy, Benji. How, how dare you? He fell yesterday. <laughs> Come on. My question, though. <laughs> yeah. Archaea triple stacking the top 10. I have, you know, I like it because I don't, I'm not an honor the race guy generally. People were saying, shouldn't they be doing a lead out to actually go for the win? Because they're obviously point stacking. Do you think it's like, does it make you queasy or do you think, nah, go for it, Archaea? You're being smart. No, that's the way the game is played. That's smart. Yep. This morning, I woke up, and in Belgium with Sportza, we've got this... Last year, we had a Velo Games on our podcast where you could like sign up for like a competition and you could gain points from riders and races. There's a similar thing in Belgium with Sportza, Sportza Wilder Manager. And I woke up this morning, and I thought to myself, I need to make sure that I get Hofstetter from my bench because then I've got both Hofstetter and Kapu on my team because they're going to double stack the sprint. They didn't do that. They triple stacked the sprint. So they're thinking smarter than I was for their squad. So I was somewhat expecting them to do this and it's not a surprise that they do it. And other teams that are competing with them should have realized that and therefore Taco van der Horn should have ridden for second. I'm sorry, changed my mind. I agree with you. I think Taco should have kept pacing because... What's he got, Benji? He's got ten percent chance of winning the sprint if he paces, which is not a good. That's you're winning one in ten. Terrible chance, but well, the head bobble does well. Does twenty five percent, mate? Okay, so twenty five percent if he bobbles his head, Degenkolb style. <laughs> what's Christoph's chance of beating Ewan and Jakobsen? Like Christoph, what's what's Christoph's chance of coming third? Twenty percent, twenty something like that. Less on a on a on a clear sunny day, so his worst case if he paces is third. So I'm just for points wise, even for just winning wise, I think he probably should have should have kept pacing. Uh, although Laporte attacked, and I'm not sure that was ideal either. But yeah, Ewan looking good. They took him out of UAE, UAE tour. I don't think it was related to points. He takes 150 here. Arkea take uh, quick maths 285. Over in another race. Oh, by the way, any, any last thoughts on Kerna Benji before I go to the other races? I, I thought it was really exciting. I thought it was really exciting as well. I feel like we've seen 
Now a bit more when it comes to Jakobsen's versatility, that's the only thing I was looking for, to know whether he can do these harder races, get over those Kohlbergs and so forth to get to the sprint, and that's something that came true. Nizzolo, I'm kind of disappointed in him this year so far at yeah, Israel. He hasn't been sprinting at the level that he was last year for certain, but again, it's still preseason. But it for Gendwebelgem, it might matter. The factory bikes are just lower or what? Well, dude, we looked at Greipel's power data. Yeah? Like he was stomping. I mean, the power meter might have been overeating, but like... Yeah, it's possible. It, it could be the bike. Yeah, I agree. It's it's certainly possible. And the one thing I do want to add is that we, we spoke about Jumbo Visma a lot in our Jumbo Visma preview. And I'm not going to lie, Laporte and Benoit have already proven in two days that they are very valuable for this couple squad. And that is going to help a lot for... Uh, uh, what's his name again? Wout van Aert. Oh my god! <laughs> that, that guy. Do you think though? I think Laporte had a good chance to win. It could have been close run thing, and he wins that race. Where do you think he comes in the sprint if he protects protects it? If he rides conservatively, oh. I don't think he beats. He doesn't beat Jakobsen and Ewan. No way. Top seven max. Yeah. So like seven tactics. six. Arguably yeah. yes, and it's also a better tactic as preparation for the cobble season because. This way, he's already getting into the action, kind of getting those tactical insight a bit up before we get to the actual races where that matters, I guess. Quick step. One here. Yumbo Visma, one on loop. One, one for those two big classics teams. I would say Yumbo looked the strongest and it all kind of fell back together for Quick Step today. Trek, AG2R, looking quite a bit behind especially for Trek without Pedersen here. But that was Kerner Brussels Kerner. Lovely opening weekend. Happy it's back. Over in France, speaking of points, there was a hilly one-day race, the second of the French opening weekend, Drone Classic, a 1.0 Pro. That was won by Jonas Wingergo. And how? 500-metre solo. <laughs> well, technically, you're right. <laughs> he was attacking with a Yuzo, 19-year-old, with like on, on one of the bigger last climbs. It was pretty intense to see. And then, uh, well, he ended up winning, so <laughs> fucking boring explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Coos came third yesterday. Those two are looking good. Yeah. Roglic sort of taking a more uh, conservative role in the group behind. Guillaume Martin second. He actually does look good. Uh, he's sort of out in our team. And Cosnefoy third. Ayuso, as Benji said, fourth. Alaphilippe fifth. Kofidis and Arkea taking a lot of points there. Over in Galicia in the north west of Spain, Mark Perdun won the, t- the time trial, the first time trial he's done at EF. Now, listen, the competition in the TT wasn't the best, but he still beat Izaguirre Valverde in a hilly TT, 46k an hour average. So huge win for Perdun, and I'm sure he and the team are very happy about that. Uh, but GC, Bala took it. He actually, wow. Yeah, he took enough time on Mike Woods, Benji. He took, I'm trying to do some quick maths again, <laughs> 17 seconds. He took a second a kilometre on a hilly course. And Bala's like, I'm not sure Bala used the TT bike outside of official races, Benji. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's just the, the thorn for, for Woods. Did you watch much, catch much of this race? Because I... I'm not going to lie, this is the uh, first stage race or first race this season that I did not watch a single second of the live broadcast, <laughs> but I'm not going to lie, looking at the results only of this time trial, 
it's not a good field when it comes to the time trial. I do yeah. want to like put an extra stamp on that. It's good for Button that he wins the time trial. It's good that he's getting his position all right that way. But I'm not going to lie. This is not the most uh, insane one either. We're doing Giro GC podium. It's happening. Valverde takes GC seven seconds out of Woods. Padun moves up from sixth to third to actually come third on GC at this race. Yon is a gear as TT. I have to say, he would have been favourite. That is not his Dauphiné level TT of last year from Astana to Cofidis. Uh, otherwise, last race was the Zwift World Championships. Uh, well, the World Championships esports uh, on Zwift last night. Jay Vine taking out the win in the men's race, which is about 55 kilometers in a really late dash ahead of his teammate, Freddie Ovette, on Australia. They just caught Jason Osborne at the end. In the women's race, it was a similar finish with Los Adegest. Benji, you'll correct yes. me if I've got that wrong. Roughly all right. Los Adegest. <laughs> 85%. She won in a similar finish. Zoe Langham, I think, Araheis just timed her sprint a little bit better on this New York circuit and took the win on the glass road finish as well. So huge win for both of them. I believe Araheis was looking for a contract last year and you look at her power numbers, they're legit power numbers. And, of course, Jay Vine, we know well from Alperson. So big congrats to those two and- at Wells. The race was basically won by two people that are comfortable with riding on Zwift, that know what it's like, that were able to use their power-ups on the right time like we were kind of expecting this to happen. Because if you look at the women's race, Luz Adegis takes that by using the Feather power-up, which basically reduces your uh, weight on the steep section that helps a lot on a climb. And she does that on the final ramp towards the finish line while we, she for example... so well. Yeah, while we, for example, saw South African... Uh, Momampasio do it on the initial part of the final climb, and therefore she didn't have that kick on the uh, final sprint. But then again, obviously Adegeus needed to follow Momampasio on the initial part of that climb at that tempo anyway. So, But it's a wonderful race, and they were both basically one in the final kilometer, which makes it very stressful to watch, because I was like, okay, Jason Osborne is looking like he's going to win for the second time, but there comes Jay Vine, Jay Vine! I was like, okay, hype! <laughs> yeah, I know, because obviously... Jay Vine, friend of the podcast. Uh, we were happy to see that. And there, there's a late breakaway in the men's race too. So good job from the Australian team, Sam Ben Hill, in particular on the flat, bringing that back. But a bit of housekeeping. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, or February, <laughs> hasn't it? Like, Benji, it's been insane. Saudi, Oman, Kerner, opening weekend, the French races, Algarve, Andalusia, Valenciana, UAE Tour. We're back out of the desert now. And, yeah, it's a little bit calmer next week. We have a Trofeo Laguelia podcast. Is that the race? Yes, on Wednesday. Not sure about the Samin field. We do have, of course, our group riding Q&A on Tuesday night. Strata Bianca, men and women's, we have podcasts on the Saturday. And then Paranese starts next Sunday. So a little bit of a calmer week next week if you want to catch up on yeah, any podcast you've missed. What's been your your highlights of the month, Benji? I'll go first if you need to. I've hit you with it. Yeah, you can go. I, I don't have a clue yet, mate. <laughs> Highlight of February, Yarn Hit, Green Mountain, Inturavoman. <laughs> I looked at the Watts and then I was like, he's going to win UAE to a GC because 2 plus 2 equals 5. It didn't end up happening. Uh, 
But that was my highlight when I just thought, what the fuck was happening on Green Mountain? Uh, Otherwise, the Cavendish-Jakobsen battle is heating up. That was another highlight for me. What about you? Honestly, I think uh, Omelo, because it's the start of the Cobble season, it's the start of the classic season in Belgium. The hype is real. It's uh, it's pretty big in Belgium, as you can crowds expect. Crowds back. And uh, the crowds are back. You're right. Although, well, races without crowds are safer, I would argue. But hey, that's just my opinion personally. It's not a very popular opinion, but I I'll have it. Um, but when it comes to the envelope, we we finally saw the stuff we were waiting for. Who's going to be the best on the couples that way? Which teams are going to be the strongest? Then, well, if a Belgian wins, I'm not going to complain. Let's be honest about it. So, congrats, Wout. Yep. Yumbo looking good. And it's heating up for the rest of the classic season. Apart from Strada, the next classic we have is San Remo, not a cobbled classic. And then, so there's a bit of a gap now. That's why holding form is very difficult with... Where's E3, Benji? E3 is on Friday the 25th of March. That's nearly four weeks away. So that's a, a long while to hold your form till Genfevelhem, E3, and then Ronda van Vlaanderen. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Classics opening weekend. We certainly did. Looking forward to a little break for us next week. Thanks as well for supporting the podcast. And Benji and I will see you on Wednesday. Ciao.